Your body was broken, your love poured out. 
You bled and you died for me there on the cross. You breathed your last as you were crucified. You gave it all for me. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Hallelujah, what a friend. Hallelujah, King forever. We thank you for the cross. There in the ground, sealed in the darkness, lifeless lay the frame of the Father, Son in agony. He watched his only son be sacrificed. He gave it all for me. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Hallelujah, what a friend. Hallelujah, King forever. Through and shook the ground. 
God, that's our prayer this morning. Lord, not that you're hidden from us or that we can't find you, but that God, you yourself personally would bring us to where we need to be this morning, within your presence, that the things that you want us to see, Lord, the way you want us to look at our world, the way you want us to look at ourselves, that God, that would all be through your leading and through your guidance this morning. Father, we come today to, to worship you, but we come today to hear from you as well. 
So Father, as a group today, but as individuals, we just ask that you lead us to where you need us to go. We will follow you this morning, Lord. We are following you, but we will follow you in this service this morning to where you want us to be. Father, thank you that you're with us as we pray this morning. You're with us as we sing, as we hear, but Lord, you're with us as we walk out of this building as well. There's nowhere we go that you aren't with us, Lord. So speak to us today in the parts of us that need you the most. We want to hear you, God. Thank you for our time together. Thank you for this opportunity to be together with each other and together with you as a body of believers. Father, continue to bless us in this service. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. I'm Bob Chiraldi. I think most of you know me. I'm that funny talking guy from New England. Josh asked me to do the connection moment four weeks ago. I said, sure, I'll do it. A few days later, I said, what am I going to talk about? And that's when God, and taking something from Pastor Brian, he started to stitch some things together. And over the last four weeks, he stitched so much, I have to do this really quick. And like Pastor Brian, when I was young, I stuttered. And so when you stutter, they tell you to go slow. I'm going to have to go fast. So if I hiccup, don't laugh at me. Um, here's a story. It's just a true story. You can document it. But before I get to it, just make sure you understand these are God's words, not mine. I'm just his amplifier. Uh, Mike Sanfilippo was a drag race expert, and he bought this car for $200. It was a spider. He fixed it up a bit, drag raced it a little bit, and then he put it on eBay. And this other gentleman, Tom Shaughnessy, was one of these experts, vintage kind of guy, wanted to look at the automobile. He decided to go and look at it. And he said, I'll take some of the serial numbers down. He put it down, sent it to his brain trust. It came back and it wasn't a spider, it was a Ferrari. It was in the 1958 Le Mans race. It won. He took it for $26,000. He invested some money in it. And when he was done restoring it, he put it on the what we call the automobile market, and it's listed at 2.2 million. It eventually sold for over 6 million. So you're probably wondering, why am I telling this story? What does it have to do with church? Well, the first thing, our Father, our Creator, created each of us. And He created us unique. There's no one like you on the planet, and there never will be. You're uniquely created. And so remember that. So this is what I want you to do. This is going to be an exercise. Turn to someone around you and say, you're unique. Uh, that was a little weak, but okay. <laughs> now I have another quick story. There was this farmer and his son. His son was about 10 years old. The farmer was in a rural area, a very rural area. Probably both Brian's know. It was probably in West Virginia somewhere. <laughs> And the farmer had side jobs. One of his side jobs was to change the train when it came through, change the track, and I don't know how they all do that. And so they were fishing, and he said to his son, oh, I hear the whistle of the train. Let me go change the track. So he went to, off to do that. His son wandered off in a different direction. When the farmer got to the switch, he looked down the tracks, and he saw his son was on the track. And now we had to make the decision do I switch the train and it'll hit my son? Or if I don't, it'll kill hundreds of people. Think about that for a minute because we're the ones on the train. 
And that's what our Father did for us. He sent Jesus to die for us. Can you imagine sending your son or daughter to die for anyone? So that not only are we unique in, our, in God's eyes, we're valuable. Not from the earthly standpoint, but from a divine standpoint. Each of us is unique and valuable. So now it's time to settle up here and it's going to get a little bumpy. Because there's another aspect of the fact that, like that Ferrari, we're damaged. Each of us are damaged, and we're damaged in different ways. But we're, we need to embrace the fact that we're damaged. And once you embrace the fact that you're damaged, then the next step would be to do what I had to do over the last four weeks, because the Holy Spirit said, ask me what is your biggest damage? And you need to embrace that. Why do we need to do that? So that Jesus who died for us can help restore us to Christ's likeness. Now, why should we do any of this? Because if we don't know we're unique, if we don't understand how valuable God sees us, and we don't know our damage, it's like taking your automobile in, fix the headlight, it's out of alignment, the windshield wipers don't work, and the next time you step on the brakes, they're gonna fail. The secret is we need to value our purpose. Now, a quick story, and this is transparent of me. When I was 11 years old, Satan and I met, and for four decades, we were friends. He brought me into the world and places that no one should ever go. And my wife, Terry, showed me some grace, and that turned me around. The first two steps were unique and were valuable of God's grace. But now it's the choice we need to make. We can, we can either forfeit the grace or accept it and do something about it. Because our God wants us to channel, to channel that grace. Now, most of you know, or some of you know, I work for Massey Labs. I drive three days a week. I do 600 miles a week or so. And when you drive 600 miles a week, week in and week out, you see some of the dumbest things that people do on the road, right? <laughs> and I'm looking at it and I just shake my head and all that. That's cool. But when it affects me, my temper meter goes from zero to 100, Mount Vesuvius, you know? And I'm in there in the car and I go, you idiot. And the Holy Spirit sent a two by four on, on one side of my head and said, Bob, what did you just do? You just told God that unique person that's so valuable is an idiot. It, honestly, that's pretty humbling. And it's changed my view of people and the value that people have. Now we have a restorer, right? We have Jesus who's helping us. And how do we do that? We do it here in this church. We do it in Sunday discipleship, men's groups, women's groups, Bible studies. We need to fix our damage. But where do we go from there? The next step is to channel, channel the grace, the channel the grace that my wife gave me that put me here after over 40 years being with Satan. And so your assignment is simple. Channel your grace. I look at people very differently now. It's impacted me immensely. It's just life-changing. So now I have a message for some of the older folks here, because I'm one of them. 
Um, Terry's middle daughter, Heidi, a few years back, sent me a birthday card. And it's one of those you open up, and when you open it up, it sings a song to you, you know that. And it says, happy birthday, blah, 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 and open it up. And the song is, you are older than dirt. <laughs> and it repeats it, and it repeats it. And I thought about that. And for your older folks, again, remember, I'm one of them. I can talk about it. For you older folks, think about this. We may be older than dirt, but God's grace fertilizes that dirt. Jesus' living water waters it, and the Holy Spirit puts sun on it, and we can grow the best fruit you know of. So now here's the other lesson. If any of you want to know... Um, this is something that hit me. You know that Satan comes to church to tell you you're not unique, you're not valuable? So if any of you feel that way, tell them to get out because you all are extremely valuable. And if you really embrace what I've just said, it'll change your view of people because I meet people on my routes that don't have a restorer. They don't have, they're damaged, and they don't, some of them don't even know it, that they're damaged. I have one gentleman in Nelsonville. He's about 50 years old. He's going through a very tough time with him and his wife and his job. And, I, and he doesn't know God, doesn't care to know God. Most of the people I meet are that way. And I said, well, can I pray for you? And he, he just looked at me, and I prayed for him. I have another one, Keith, up in West Liberty. I meet these people every week, and they're damaged, and they don't even know it, and there's no one there to show them some grace. So remember this one thing. If you remember anything else, God gives us his grace, and we either can accept it and channel it and do something with it or forfeit it. Now, I grew up in the streets, and my, my term would be we can just trash it. And that's how I feel now. And I want to thank you. I did this a lot quicker, Josh, than I thought I would. Have a good day. God bless you. No, but boy, it does help us to look at people differently through the eyes of God and recognize that we, we all are, as Bob shared, damaged and need a little bit of help. And aren't you glad for his grace? Well, I like uh, when I first felt God calling us here, one of my, one of my concerns was, Lord, how am I going to preach two services on a Sunday morning? I've never done that before. But I'm growing to like it, and I think you, you guys get to get the better end of the deal because I get all my mistakes out first service, and uh, you got to get the better product, but um, that's just my opinion. Um, if you come to both services, maybe you have a different one. But I have a quick questions to start off with this morning. How many would be honest enough to say, you know, Pastor, there's been a prayer in my life that I've wanted to pray, but I was afraid to pray it. Can you have a prayer you've been afraid to pray? It's a tough one. How many would say, Lord, there's been something in my life that I knew I should pray for, but was reluctant to do it? And there's things we're going to talk about today. It, is, it sounds kind of odd. Well, why would we be afraid to pray? Well, we've heard it said that uh, be careful what you ask for, right? We've heard that before. Well, be careful what you pray for, because, well, God might just give it to you. So perhaps the prayer you've been challenged to pray is one that would stretch you or would ask you to do something you're uncomfortable with or, or may require you to let go of some things that you are afraid God might not respond the way that you'd like him to. Those are all important areas that are going to speak to us today about our faith. We're talking about prayer, but we're going to talk about boldness. 
Boldness is behavior that's born out of one's belief. So if, if you're bold in your faith, and it speaks to what it is you believe in, it speaks to, to the depth of your faith. If you're not bold, maybe there's some questions, some things God wants to do in your life today. And the whole, whole idea of bold right now has some of you even terrified because of what God may want you to do. But only this one we're going to talk about is what or how we pray reflects upon what it is we believe about God. How we pray or what we pray for reflects who we believe God to be, how active he is in our lives. So what does your prayer life say about your understanding or belief in God? Do we pray small, selfish prayers? Many of us do, but we realize that sometimes uh, we, we pray as if God exists for us. He's kind of this vending machine that we have, and whatever our needs might be in the moment, we, we go to God, and we, we've got to, you know, whatever we're willing to invest. Maybe you've got a dollar. Okay, God, I want a dollar. What can I get for a dollar? Well, I'll get this today for a dollar. Or maybe you've got a couple dollars, and things at vending machines, they're just getting outrageous. Now you can even use a credit card at vending machines because, you know, a honey bun costs four bucks, and that in itself is not right. But, but there might be a prayer request you have that God might require something more of you. And you go, well, Lord, I'm not quite sure I want to give that much today. Well, but I've got 35 cents. Can I still get the pack of gum on the bottom? And we, we treat God as if he's there to meet our needs. And God does meet our needs. He is our provider. That's an important part of our relationship with him. But how we approach him, that, that shouldn't be uh, how we, we look at him. So we pray small, selfish prayers. We might pray, uh, pray prayers that, that show really a lack of faith in a big God. We'll pray in a very safe way, because if we pray in a bold way or in a way that's kind of stretching us and God doesn't answer us, well, what, how might I respond or what might I think if he doesn't answer my big, bold prayer? So our prayer lives say a lot about what we believe about God, but it also says a lot about ourselves and where we are in our faith journey. Think about this week, everything you prayed for. What would happen if God said yes to everything you prayed for? How would your life look different? How would your neighbor's lives look different? How would our community look different? How would our world look different based on how you prayed this week? If God said yes to everything you prayed for, if God gave you everything that you asked for this week or did everything you wanted him to do, would the world look different? Or would your, your kids simply look different? And there's nothing wrong with those types of prayers. God wants us to pray specifically for those that we love, that we share life with. But sometimes we get so caught up in our own little circles, our own kingdom, so to speak, and our prayers reflect that. But we serve a big God, a God who has big plans, who's up to big things. Sometimes our prayers are about our individual needs that, um, you know, I'd be honest, I've, I tend to, tend to run late on occasion, and sometimes I'm running late. I say, well, Lord, if you would just let these three, next three lights stay green, I could get there on time. Lord, so we're praying that the lights would stay green. Um, you know, but, and I'm one of those idiots from time to time that Bob talks about when he's driving. And I'm thinking, Lord, what a stupid prayer. Now, if I'm on my way to the hospital and my son's in the back seat bleeding, yeah, I want the lights to stay green. That's different. But if I'm running late because I procrastinated, I want God to keep the lights green. Sometimes, Lord, that's so stupid on my part. Our God is so much more uh, valuable and, and, and attentive to our de the details of our lives. To, and it really, I, I don't know if he can flip the switch on green lights or not, but I hope you understand what I'm saying. Or maybe you... Or, or, or lonely and you're praying about that special someone in your life. Lord, I really would like to meet someone. And, and God said, well, I've already told you what you need to do. Where are you looking? Or what are you looking for? Are you looking in the wrong places? Are you looking for the wrong type of person? I'm trying to answer your prayer, but you're not putting yourself in the right position to receive what it is I'm trying to give you. So oftentimes we want God to do the heavy lifting. 
to remove the barriers or to fix broken relationships or, or, or to help a loved one or to help us get that new house. And maybe if, if we were more attentive to our credit and our spending habits and the amount of debt that we take in, we could afford the house we want. Or, or, or maybe the relationships that we have with others, if we were obedient, we'd be willing to reconcile and say that we're sorry and to fix things that we've broken. Maybe God would then be able to work in those situations. Too often we want him to fix things that we ourselves have, have broken and he's already called us to go and step into, respond to, and to fix. We pray in small circles. We pray about our kingdom. But God has much bigger ideas, much deeper things that he's working on. We want to make a difference in our world. If we want to make a difference in our world, we need to pray big, bold prayers. Prayers for those that don't know him. And maybe we, you know, we pray for loved ones who know who Jesus is. We say, what do we pray? Lord, would you save him? Or would you do something like that? Because, well, I want to. I want you to go and talk to him. But, oh, Lord, I don't want to go talk to him. Since when else go talk to him? We don't want to do what he's asked us to do. Oftentimes, we're the answer to the very prayers that we're offering. And all of us to say, sometimes prayer can get confusing. I've probably confused you enough already, right? We're only 10 minutes in. Wait till we get to the end. You'll really be messed up. But I think we get confused, or we water it down, or we make it something that's not supposed to be because we don't really understand what prayer is about. We can spend a lot of time on prayer. I know you've had recent conversations on prayer, but this one's a little bit different. Because prayer is important. It has to be something that's important to us and vital to us. And it's going to be as a church. I want you to know that as we've been talking about the things that God uses to stitch us together as a faith family, as a body of Christ, uh, prayer is now the, the, the final kind of border on our quilt, if you will. It's what holds it all together. Francis Chan, in his book, Letters to the Church, writes, if prayer isn't vital for your church, then your church isn't vital. Hmm. Prayer isn't vital for your church, and your church isn't vital. He continues to say, this statement may be bold, but I believe it's true. If you can accomplish your church's mission without daily passionate prayer, then your mission is insufficient. And quite honestly, your church is irrelevant. What Chan's saying is, if, if you can do it on your own power, under your own strength, with your own abilities, then you're misunderstanding what it really means to be a church. Because as a church, as a body of believers gathering together to worship a God who is with them, who is a part of who they are, who's working among them, who is pouring out his spirit into them so that they can go out and do what it is he's called us to do. If we're doing it on our own power, we just become a religious club that gathers together to feel good about ourselves, if I can be bold for a moment. Prayer has to be a part of who we are. Bold, vibrant prayers, expectant prayers, prayers that, that stretch us, prayers that take us places that we would not go on our own, and asks us to do things that we could not possibly do under our own power. That in itself is scary to some people. It's very uncomfortable. It takes us to places that maybe we're not ready to go, or it asks to us to give of parts of ourselves that we're not yet ready to give, to pay a price that we're not yet ready to pay. I believe as God is stitching us together that prayer must be, and it, and it will be, a priority and a focus. Because we're a church that wants to make an impact in our neighborhoods, and our community, uh, in our neighboring communities, in our state, in our world. And we cannot do that under our own power. We need God. And how do we grow and get to know him? We spend time with him. We talk to him. But prayer simply as a conversation too often in our lives is one-sided where we're doing all the talking. We're trying to let God know what's going on. Where We're trying to fill him in and give him all the details. That's not what prayer is. What I hope to see in, in, our, in our time together, our early days together, is, is an increase in the number of groups that we have praying together. Two or more gathering together to pray. 
If you may be part of a prayer group already, there's a number of them already in place. It was one of the things that excited me about this congregation is this were people that like to pray. But there's room for more. There's always room for more. If you don't know where to begin, come Tuesday evening. Join us at 6.30. Come and pray. Come and spend time together with others who are, are, are praying for the same things, that, that God would help us understand where it is he's sending us, what he would have us do. Praying for breakthroughs, praying for, for big things, not little things. Reading today out of Acts chapter 4, before I get there, I, I want to talk a little bit about Acts chapter 3. In Acts chapter 3, we, we read of, about Peter and John, and they're on the way to the temple, and they, they encounter a man who's, who's at the temple gate, beautiful, and he's begging. He's been crippled all his entire life. He, he's never walked. And this is right after the Holy Spirit has come in Acts chapter 2 and, and filled the believers, and they went out and started preaching, and 3,000 people were saved and baptized. Now we see Peter and John going back to the temple at the next day, and this is several days later. We, we see in Acts chapter 2, they were gathering together. They're sharing possessions, and, and new believers are coming uh, in, into the body of Christ at that point every day. And now we see Peter and John go to the temple, and they find this crippled man. He's begging. It's what he does. That's his job. He's asking for money. He asks Peter and John for money, and Peter says, well, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, I will give you. And he tells the man, stand up and walk. That's boldness. Have you ever wanted to do that? Someone who's sick, someone stand up. Why don't we do that? Maybe I, I, I don't do it because I'm afraid that maybe I'll say it and it won't happen. I'm trying to do it again under my own power. And, and it speaks, speaks more about my faith and who I am and who God is. And, and what happens is all, what we see in Scripture, they took him by the hand, they helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Verse 8, he jumped to his feet. He's never walked before. Remember teaching your child how to walk? Watch them wobble around and stumble and sometimes fall down and, you know, plop on their bottoms and have to get back up and try again. He jumped to his feet. He could do it instantly. He knew what to do. He clings to Peter and John. He won't let them go. He follows them into the temple. Now, the people, every, if they've come to the temple, they've seen him because he comes every day to beg. He's not a stranger. He, they recognize who he is. They see what's happening. Whoa, isn't that the guy? Yeah, that's the guy. He's walking. What just happened? And so we're quickly spreading that in the name of Jesus, Peter told him to get up. So the crowd comes. They're paying attention. They want to know what's going on. And so Peter goes into the sermon about how they had crucified Jesus and about all that the, the Old Testament had foretold about who Jesus was. And they said, you know, you, you, you killed him. You, and then, but on the three days later, he rose again. He's talking about the resurrection. People are getting excited again. They're hearing this story. They've seen the evidence of the power of Jesus. Priests couldn't heal him. The Pharisees couldn't heal him. But the name of Jesus healed him. Now, of course, the Pharisees and the priests, they have to come along. They wonder what the wall of the ruckus is about. And they start paying. They say, wait, whoa, 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 we don't like this. The Sadducees show up. The Sadducees were, we've heard that term before, the Sadducees were a group of, in the priestly sect that did not believe in the resurrection. So this is very alarming to them that Peter's preaching about a re the resurrected Savior. And he says, you guys have got to be quiet. Peter and John, we won't be quiet. No, you guys have got to stop. You, you, you can't continue to talk about Jesus like this. They wanted to, to, to do worse. They wanted to arrest them. They wanted to kill them. But they couldn't kill them because there was this problem with this healed man that was kind of clean. And there was a little bit of evidence that, that, that gave credence to what they were speaking about. If they killed him at that moment, they would have really had a mess on their hands. So they told Peter and John to go home and to be quiet. But they weren't willing to be quiet. So they had quite a day. So they go back to where the church is gathered in, in Acts chapter 4. And they begin to tell the believers all that just happened and, and all that was going on. 
And here's what we read about in verse 23 of Acts chapter 4. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people. They reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. When they heard this, when we hear this, when things happen in our lives, the first thing we do is we call up our friends. Can you believe what happened to me today? Let me tell you what I've been through. We get on Facebook, we get on social media, and we complain about all that we've dealt with and all that's happened to us. We got arrested for doing this. I was doing the right thing. And, 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 but what they do is they go back and they hear what's going on. They hear about this persecution. They hear they've been told to be quiet. And they raise their voices together in prayer. That's their response. What's ours? When life goes bad, when we're attacked, when, when things don't go the way we want to, what's our response? What do we do first? says something about praying together, together, to gather, where two or three are gathered together. When they heard this, their first reaction was to pray. What's our first reaction? How do we respond when things maybe don't go the way we want to, or maybe even when they do? Is our first reaction to pray? And this is how they pray. We see at the end of verse, 20, or verse 24, sovereign Lord. That word sovereignty speaks of how God is in control how he is still in control, how he's always been in control. They said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit. Now, they're not saying this to let God know what it is that God did. Don't you think God already knows what he did? They're, they're saying this to affirm in themselves who they believe God to be. So often in prayer, what do we do? We give God a report. We give him a rundown. We let him know how our week's been. We, we tell him what's been going on as if God doesn't already know. God does know. There have been times in my life, and even as a pastor, where I've struggled to know how to pray. Because if God already knows it, why am I sharing it with him? And if that's the question that I'm asking, then I'm misunderstanding something very important about prayer. Because when I tell God all that's going on, what I'm trying to do, what I'm, how I'm trying to pray, is to align God to my will. But instead, prayer is about aligning us to his will. So I need to pray in such a way that God already knows the details. And he would help me understand what I'm to do with them. That I'm to understand what it is to, what I, that I'm to do with the answer that I've already received or haven't yet received. They're praying in such a way to affirm in themselves who God is. Sometimes we need to do the same thing. We need, we need to hallow his name. Jesus says you're to pray like this. Hallow it would be your name. Lifting up his name. Reminding ourselves that he is holy. That he already knows. We're to begin our prayers like that, Jesus says, because then that helps us put us in the right posture, and in the right position to then continue in the way that Jesus models for us. Hallowing his name is so important. And too often we might get to that at the end of our prayers, but not at the beginning. So they start right off, sovereign Lord, you've made the heavens, you've made the earth, you've made the sea, you spoke by the Holy Spirit. They're aligning their, their will with God's. They did what your power had decided beforehand should happen. Now, when they're talking about verse 28, they did. He's talking about Pontius Pilate. He's talking about Herod. How they did what your power put in action for them to do. What did they do? Had Jesus arrested and crucified? They, they did what God had willed to be done. They did what they were put in place to do. And, and I think this is, it gets slippery because it, we, do, we do have free will. We do have choice. But it's an affirmation that God's will will be done. Whether or not we agree with it or, or go along with it or not, whatever God wills will happen. 
what your power did was already decided and it happened. God, we, we acknowledge that now. When we begin to pray like that, all of a sudden the little things that we typically pray for, they tend to not be as important. God tend to helps us push those into the back burner, so to speak, and to put them in the right place. Not that they don't matter, they do. But in the reflection of who he is, they start to mean something completely different. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. We've prayed that prayer, the Lord's Prayer. We know the words. How many of us really believe it when we pray? Do we really want God's will to be done? Do we really want God to do what God will do without any input from ourselves? Do we really want his kingdom to come? Carlos Rodriguez says, when we pray, let your kingdom come, we're likewise praying, let my kingdom go. When you pray for God's kingdom to come, we, we are praying in such a way that we let go of our kingdom, our wants, our desires, and we continue to grow close to him to where our wills reflect his. It's hard to pray this way. It, it, it's hard to pray in, in a way that's bold and, and puts ourselves out there because, well, often it could be uncomfortable. Or it, it speaks to where we are in our faith journey. Or he might ask us to do something that maybe we're not ready yet to do. I was one day at, at the Apple store in Pittsburgh. Uh, we had a problem with one of our computers, so I took it to the Apple store. And you walk into the Apple store, they've got these big tables that the Apple customer service people come and they meet you at, and it might be your phone or your watch or whatever device you may have a problem with. And they sit down with you and they start to work through the situation with you. And, and across the table from me come in this, this woman. Um, she was visibly shaken, had a, had a friend with her, and she sat down across from me and, and she was uh, waiting on someone to help her. And I, I got waited on and they were working on my problem. And then someone came to help her and she's, well, I have this phone. And the phone was visibly broken, screen was busted. And so this is was, this was my daughter's phone. I really want to get the pictures off of it. And, and he's just like, well, you know how privacy laws can be and how, things, how difficult it be. So do you, do you happen to know what her Apple ID was? And she's, well, yes, I do know what that is. And she's, well, do you know her password? And she's, actually, I do know her password. She's, well, that's going to make it a lot easier. And, and parents, let me tell you, if you have teenagers, please know their Apple ID and their passwords. You should know those things. If you own the phone, you pay for it, know those things. And, and teens, don't be reluctant to let your parents see it. It's important. Because what had happened is this, this daughter was in, a, was in a car accident. She died. She was actually on a church trip, and the church van she was in was in an accident, and she, and she died. And I, I knew the story because it happened about an hour and a half south of Pittsburgh, right near where I grew up. And I still follow my local hometown news, and one day it was on, on the online paper that I was reading about this accident. And here I am now at the Apple store with the mother of this girl that I read about who died. And as I'm listening to her tell the, the customer service representative what was going on and what she needed, uh, that you could see this, the panic on, on this young person's face, like, I don't know what to do. I don't know if we can even do this. So he goes, let me go get a manager to help us. And as he gets up to leave, the Lord speaks to me. He says, Brian, I want you to get up and go pray with her. Now? Yes. Lord, I'm in the Apple store. Yeah, it's okay. You're allowed to pray here. I'm not so sure they let me do that. But, but I did. I, I got up from my seat. I walked over and I said, and I would, I tell you, it's a little bit uncomfortable. It says, um, ma'am, I'm sorry, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to eavesdrop, but I, but I heard you telling your story about your daughter. And, and God just prompted me to come, and, and I just went, can I pray for you? And she just got in just tears. Yes, I, I would just really appreciate that. This is really hard. And we, we just so desperately want to get the pictures off her phone so those, those are memories that we would have of her. And, and that's why I prayed. Put my hand on her shoulder. We just prayed in the Apple store. And I don't know who was watching. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't care just being obedient. And it was a moment, like, it was beautiful. 
And, and as I got done, I sat down beside her and I said, so, so tell me about your daughter. And she told me her story about all that had happened. And then she's like, but you're not going to believe what this was. At her funeral, all of her friends started to come up to me because there, there was this video that she recorded of her testimony. And it went viral on YouTube. And all of her friends from high school now were watching this video. And they were coming to the funeral. They're telling me about a difference it made and how they've accepted Jesus. And people are getting saved because of what my daughter has done. So there's something good that's come out of this. And she's really excited about that, but yet heartbroken at the same time. It was fun to get a little bit of her story. And then a manager came over and says, well, ma'am, uh, there, there's some things we're not supposed to do. She, she's kind of looking around making sure he's listening, but we're going to help you today. We're going to get the pictures. And I don't know if they did or not. I, I, I left. We didn't stay in touch. It wasn't anything like that. But it was a moment where God said, I want you to get up and pray boldly. And sometimes God will do that, be it Walmart or Myers or, or, or Kroger's or wherever you might be. God may say, I want you to go pray for someone. Are we willing to do it? What if I would have said no? I don't know what would have happened. Maybe nothing as far as she's concerned, but I think my spiritual life would have been changed. God did something in my life in that moment because I was willing to say yes. Bold prayers. Why was I afraid? Hmm. Why was I nervous? Well, we don't know what people will think, right? We want people to look at us. We don't think, well, they're kind of strange. They're kind of weird. There's a Jesus freak praying in the Apple store. Is there an app for that? I don't know. But there should be to figure that out. And, and we read in verse 29, they, they keep praying. They've been praying for, for boldness. They've been affirming who God is. They've been testifying about what God has done. And now they say, now, Lord, consider their threats and enable us, your servants, to speak your word with great boldness. They've just heard what Peter and John have gone through. They've come back. They haven't complained about it. They haven't worried about it. They've just affirmed who God is. They've prayed for more opportunities to do the same. Do we do that? Or do we pray often, Lord, get us out of this situation? Kind of an odd prayer, too. They'd already been bold. Peter had already preached. 3,000 were saved. It's boldness that got them arrested in the first place. They're being instructed to you know, lighten up on this Jesus thing. Quit talking about it so much. They said, oh, no. You think we talked about it before? Well, just wait. We, we just saw this crippled man get up and walk. We're, we're going to keep talking about it, even all the more. So it leads me to this question. Have you ever prayed for boldness? Most probably never have. Why not? Well, go back to how we started, because God just might give us what we asked for. You ever prayed for patience? <laughs> if you have kids, you pray for patience. Let me warn you, don't ever pray for patience. Why not? Because God's going to put you in a situation where then you have to be patient. So his answer to giving, to, to giving you patience is to put you in a position where you have to practice being patient. See, what we really mean when we say, Lord, give us patience, is we're taking away all those things that frustrate us. Take away all those parts of our lives that, that irritate us, that make us impatient. That's what we're asking for. But we don't pray that way. We pray that God would give us patience, give me patience to deal with these kids. We're really saying, Lord, take care of my kids and make them behave. We've got our prayers wrong. He's given us exactly what we pray for sometimes. I'm not encouraging you to pray for God to make your kids behave. That's, that's our job as parents. But God is, is in the business of answering our prayers, whether we realize it or not. And when we pray for boldness, God answers. When I was praying one day for boldness, 1996, I remember the year my wife and I were about to be married. I, we, we were, uh, had, I just graduated. I was in, still down in, in West Virginia working for a couple months before we got married and would move to, to Mount Vernon. And I've been praying that God would use our marriage and use us to make a difference for the kingdom. You know, this idealistic prayer, it was a bold prayer. And 
And I, I was kind of ignorant in what I was praying for. And God was just kind of sitting back. So I says, wait till he sees this. And I went to work one night. I worked in a lab. I was, I was the only Christian, uh, no noticeable Christian in, in my lab. That, and, and, and I worked second shift. And, and it, it was quite an environment. And it was sometimes awkward. Some of the conversations would be uncomfortable for me and many times. And, and I had a coworker. He, he had some loose lips, if you know what I mean. Kind of spoke in a different language. Used some words that I didn't like to use. And and their goal early on in our time together was to try to get me to talk like he did. And after a few weeks, I realized I wasn't getting anywhere, that I wasn't going to talk the way that they did. And so they created, instead what happened is they brought in kind of, the, they called it the cussing jar. And if they would ever say a cuss word, you had to put a quarter in the jar. And one day, my friend, he hey, had a really rough day. He walked in and put a $5 bill in right away, says, I've had a tough day. It's going to be a long night. I'm just paying in advance. So he was trying to get, get ahead of the game a little bit. And later on in that summer, one night, the conversation turned to, to sex. Remember, I've been praying for boldness. I'm thinking, oh, here we go. And they get to this point, they're talking questions, they're talking about experiences, and they turn to and they says, what about you, Brian? And it was a question, it was like, well, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't know. What do you mean you wouldn't know? Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a virgin. I'm, I'm waiting, my wife and I are waiting until we get married. My manager walked by, she was a worldly woman, and she walked by, and she, she dropped her beakers and chemicals, went everywhere. I'm just kidding, none of that happened. But she stopped, and she stared at me, and you said, I'm going to think, oh boy, here it comes. She says, I think that's wonderful. Your wife is a lucky woman. And I agree that my wife is a lucky woman, but that's beside the point. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it, um, the point was, I could just picture God up in heaven just smiling down. says, I gave you what you asked for. said, Lord, that is not at all what I was talking about when I prayed for boldness. But he put me in a situation that was really awkward for me. But I had a chance to be bold. And to talk about what, what God desired for marriage and what he wanted out of, out of our marriage and how we wanted to be a reflection of who he was. And it wasn't easy. It was hard. It was, it was, I was embarrassed. I was red. I, I don't know why. I wasn't embarrassed. I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do anything at all. That's why I was able to answer the question in a way that I had. But God gave me boldness in a moment, in, in a way that I hadn't prayed for, because he's going to answer our prayers when those moments come. I didn't share this first service, but a few moments later, one of my coworkers was like, well, what faith are you? Well, I'm, 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 I'm Christian, I'm not. She says, well, I'm a Christian, and my church doesn't teach that. And I think, well, what can I ask what church you go to? And I'm not going to tell you what denomination she goes to. It's not important. Says, but, but she goes, where, where, how do you know that? I said, well, it's in, it's in the Bible. And I, so I have my Bible in my car. I can go get it, and we can, she, oh, no, no. She didn't want to go that far. But it caused someone else to ask a question. And sometimes that's the seed God wants us to plant. Someone else can come along behind and water and, and to, to till the soil and to, to help bring it about. But are we willing to be bold, not just in our prayers, but in our words? Are we willing to, to kind of go where God wants us to go and to say what he wants us to say, even when it's uncomfortable? I don't even like preaching about that. That's not something we get up every day, get excited to talk about. But it's an opportunity God gave me. I wasn't willing to lighten up on the Jesus thing in that moment. It was a door that God opened. It's what I had prayed for too often though we get exactly what it is we pray for we pray little prayers and we get little answers what would happen if we would start praying confidently and boldly for big things 
Maybe you're praying for your schoolwork to, to, to go well or to get a good grade on a test you haven't studied for or for the, the lights to stay green. We're, we're praying little selfish prayers. How many times have you prayed, oh God, I, I just pray that uh, you will be with me today. Be with us today. Probably pray that more often than what we'd like to admit. Do you know in the Old Testament, 100 times God says, fear not, I will be with you. 44 times in the New Testament, we see a similar phrase. God promises, us to, be, promises to be with us. Yet we continue to pray, oh, Lord, be with us. Why? Because it's safe. We know he will. So we can pray in such a way that we know he's going to answer. So it's safe. We pray that God would keep us safe, give us traveling mercies as we drive. You ever think God would get up one day? Well, you know, today they're on their own. I'm not going to be with them today as they travel. Of course not. He loves us. He's always going to be with us wherever it is that we go. So why do we pray for such things? Because they're safe things to pray for. Now, we're, we're called to be passionate, to lift up our prayers and petitions to him. We're called to bring loved ones to God. And we're supposed to pray in such a way. But when we do it out of order, we talked about order several weeks ago. When we do it out of order without hallowing her name, without lifting him up, without recognizing who he is, then we get the selfish needs out of whack. They, they, they come, we kind of get them out of order. There's room for those types of prayers to pray for our children, to pray for our loved ones, to pray for our marriages. You ever pray that God would fix your marriage? You know what God will often say when he, when he says that? He goes, I will fix your marriage if you will just obedient and go say you're sorry. Hmm, sorry is a powerful word. Maybe God does want to fix things. He just wants us to get up and be part of it. Sometimes the answers aren't so hard to come by. We just recognize who he is. We just pray boldly and then we listen. Watch what God does. They, wanted, they prayed for, that God would help them speak his word with boldness. And then they continued to pray. Then they, they, they prayed for something that sometimes we struggle to pray for. They prayed for miraculous signs and wonders. Verse 30, stretch out your hand and heal and perform miracles and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Do these incredible works so people could see more of who you are. Heal just like you did the cripple so that others would recognize who you are. And they prayed for miraculous signs. What's a sign? We all know what a sign is. A sign that tells you where you're at or it tells you where you're going. A sign helps you kind of know what, that you've arrived or what's in front of you or what it is that you're about to enter into and what you're seeing. What they're praying for, we want to see miracles, yes, but we want, them, we want people to see miraculous signs so that we could point others to who you are. How often do we pray for a miracle just because it's what we want? We know God can do it, right? We, we know he can. We see it in scripture. We, we want it to happen, but too often we want it to happen because it's, it's convenient or it helps us or it takes away the pain or we don't have to deal with loss. So we pray for a miracle, not for his glory, but for our comfort or our safety or our health or the health of others in our lives. Not that those things don't matter. They do. But remember, God's got this big picture plan that he's working out. We need to pray in such a way that our prayers push people in that direction. God, if you want to do a miracle, do it so that I can give you praise and glory and that people are going to know who you are in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. See, how we pray speaks to our motives. Do we want miracles for ourselves or to point others to God? Another reason we may not pray for miracles or miraculous signs is deep, deep down, maybe we don't believe. Maybe we've never seen one. Maybe we'd like to, but it's just not something we can kind of wrap our minds around. Maybe we don't pray for miracles because we don't want to be disappointed. We don't want to make God look bad. 
if it's your will, we may often say, kind of gives an escape clause to who God is. Well, Lord, I, I want, would you do this? Lord, if it's, if it's your will, would you do this, God? But if it's not your will, it, it's okay. It, I, I, and that's, a, it's not wrong to pray that way. What does that say about our faith? See, praying big, bold, bodacious prayers requires big faith. So do we have the faith to pray for miracles? Do we have the faith to pray for to pray big prayers? Do we have the faith to accept if the answer is no? Maybe we don't pray for big prayers because we don't have the faith to accept an answer we don't want to receive. My faith in God, I would like to think is, or is in the process of becoming big enough to handle a no or a not yet. I believe in him that I can pray big prayers and be okay if God says no. I wonder how many of us don't quite understand that. It's a tough place to be. It can be easily, easy for us to be disappointed. But what happens when we gather together, when we affirm who God is, when we pray for boldness, when we pray for miraculous signs and wonders, when we're doing it as a body of Christ? We read in verse 31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. What happens when we pray together? What happens when we let God in to do something that, that only he can do? What happens when we let him have control and, ha- and may his will be done and we're doing it for his glory? The place in which we gather and pray is shaken. Is it shaken physically? Perhaps. Spiritually? Certainly. I believe it was both in this context. Holy Spirit was powerful in those moments. And he can and wants to be powerful in our lives even yet today. So as we spend time together in these early days, talking about what God is doing to stitch us together, this border he's creating will be prayer. And we will be a church that prays boldly, confidently, expectantly that God's going to do something. If you're not part of a prayer group yet, come Tuesday night. Join us. You're going to enjoy it. If you're interested in starting a prayer group, come talk to one of the staff members. We will help you get started. It doesn't have to be pastor-led. It can be you. You can lead one right in your home. We have people that pray for children of all ages. We have different, different reasons, different places people gather to pray. We just need to be a church that prays. Because remember, go back to how we started. How we pray speaks a lot about who we believe God to be. I'll finish with verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. That is a very important verse. All the believers were one in heart and mind. All of those that attended Marysville Church of the Nazarene were one in heart and mind. We're not one in heart and mind. Then our prayers are going to conflict. We might even be in opposition to one another. We have to become this body of Christ that God is stitching together in a way that only he can. All the believers, one in heart and mind, no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had, in verse 33, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and much grace was on them all. What power. Powerful prayers, bold prayers, prayers that might stretch us, take us out of our comfort zone, lead us to places that maybe we wouldn't go on our own. But those are the types of prayers that makes us relevant necessary and vital in our world today. I have neighbors I'm praying for. I don't really know their names yet, but I'm praying for them. I, I have a son that I'm, I'm praying, and, and i got to be honest, I've 
I haven't done justice by him in recent days, but God's convicted me this week, and I'm praying some bold prayers for him. He, he's young, he's got some challenges, and I need God to touch him, and I believe God will. But I, what is in your life that maybe you've been afraid to pray, or that God right now is speaking to you about, that you want to give to him in a bold way, believing that he's going to do something incredible? I've been praying this week that my boys, that, they, that God would use them uh, to, to, to make an eternal impact in his kingdom, that, that he, they would be difference makers in the church, uh, in their church as they get older, and, and even to the point where they would be the, the greatest difference makers. And if that's, that's something you're praying for your kids, sorry, I've been praying that for my kids, so um, I don't know who God's going to hear first. But we need to pray in such a way that, that God's going to do incredible things, believing that he will. Not just hoping that he will, but believing that he will. Praying that his will would be done. I believe it. It's what brought us here. There's so much potential and, and, and promise here. So many people moving into our community that need what it is that we have. We're willing to go and to be walk across the Apple store, or we're willing to go and to pray with those who need prayer, uh, to pray with our neighbors, to pray with whoever we run into that God may bring across our paths to make a difference for his kingdom. Great power. Let's not take that for granted. I invite you to stand with me, and I'm going to pray for you and over you today. But I invite those that may be comfortable to join me in prayer. You can pray out loud if you'd like. You don't have to, but you certainly can. Confidently and boldly that, that what we read in Scripture in the book of Acts is still possible for us to experience today. That the same Holy Spirit that was given then is, is with us today. It's among us. He's ready to be, to be received, to be, to, to, to be absorbed, to be taken in. Uh, the, the same boldness that Peter and John had is the same thing God wants to give us today if we're just willing to receive it, to be obedient, to do it. To not be afraid. Fear not. I will be with you wherever you go. God's talking to some of us about prayer today. Let's not pray small prayers this week. Let's start praying boldly confidently believing. I look forward to hearing your stories, your testimonies about what he's doing in your life. Father, thank you for who you are. You are sovereign. Just as we read in Acts chapter 4, Lord, you have created the heavens and the earth, the oceans and the seas, Lord. You have created each one of us, Father, this morning. We acknowledge that and we thank you for it. We don't have to fill you in with all the details or tell you what's going on. You're already aware. So, Lord, right now I pray this time of prayer would be less about what it is we want from our prayer vending machine, Lord, and more about what it is you would have us do. What do you want from us, Father? How, how might you send us from this place to go and to be and to do? Lord, what difference might we make in someone's life who might need encouraged or, or might need to be reminded, as Bob shared with us earlier, that each one is valuable and priceless in your eyes. Lord, this world, it's not as hard as we're making it out to be. If we would just be obedient and keep our eyes open and see people the way you see them, Lord, every day, I'd be even in the next hour, we're going to see people that need a little bit of hope, a little bit of encouragement, Lord. And I just pray that you would, your spirit would speak to us and that we would be willing to be obedient, even if it's uncomfortable, God. That you would give us boldness to maybe speak words of healing into someone's life, Lord. Even if it's scary, Lord, because it's not our power that does it. It's you that does it, Lord. And I just ask, Father, that uh, I had a situation this week, Lord, where I, I want to confess this morning. I, you, you instructed me to do something, and I didn't do it, Lord. I missed an opportunity, Lord, and I'm sorry. May that not happen again. Lord, keep us accountable. Challenge us, Lord. Stretch us. Take us farther. Take us deeper. Help us to pray big prayers this week. Lord, I pray right now, if you have a loved one in your life that doesn't know who Jesus is, would you just lift them up confidently, God, 
would send someone, perhaps even you, this week into their life. If you have a relationship in your life that's fractured or broken and needs healing, would you, would you pray right now that, that, that God would, would bring healing into that relationship? And maybe he's going to send you to say you're sorry or to help bend the fence. If you have a loved one this week who's really struggling and they need a touch from God, would you pray boldly as Peter and John spoke in the name of Jesus, Lord, would you bring healing into our loved one's lives this week, Lord? Father, whatever situations whatever we might be dealing with, whatever opportunities you might present to us, Lord, we, today would we be willing to boldly pray for your involvement, for your working. If that working involves us getting our hands dirty and stepping into it, Lord, help us to be obedient. If, if that answer means we have to humble ourselves, Lord, help us to be willing to do that. But God, I pray that we would be a church that becomes known for its bold prayers, believing, Lord, that you're up to something big, much bigger than we could have ever accomplish on our own. Lord, I want to pray that for the debt that the church has. We, we, we have an indebtedness, Lord, uh, that we have used to, to help prepare this church for ministry. Lord, I, I, I want to pray for that right now. You've got a plan for that. I give it to you. I pray, Lord, this would be a church that, that, that all people would be welcome to come to, regardless of their background, regardless of their baggage, regardless of where they're from or what language they speak. Lord, they could come here and they could feel that there, there's, a, there's something special here. There's a Holy Spirit here drawing people together. Lord, help us to be uncomfortable with so many new faces that you're going to bring to this place. Lord, what a great problem that would be. Lord, may we pray in such a way that we're willing to be inconvenienced, as we talked about last week. We're willing for life to be interrupted because, Lord, it's not about our little kingdoms. It's about your kingdom. And even today, Lord, there's some that are uncomfortable here this morning. I, I get it. I understand. That's not my intent. But, Lord, uh, the grace that you give us sh should result in, in radical change in our lives. May we not be afraid of that change or the hope that it brings, the help that it brings. Lord, as we go today, Lord, faith is easy on Sundays. Living a Christian life is easy in these early moments. But it's the Monday through Saturday, Lord, that really matters. It's where you do most of your work. So God, as we go, help us to know we're sent people. Use us. Give us, if we don't have bold things to pray about, help us to see them. We pray, Lord, you'd stretch out your hand. We pray for miraculous signs and wonders. We pray, Lord, for your kingdom to come, for your will to be done, for your kingdom to grow, the part that we have in it. Lord, we love you today and we thank you for being with us, for speaking to us, for convicting us, for challenging us, for helping us, for lifting us up. Now, Lord, go with us, I pray. To God be the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Go, you're sent. Pray big prayers. Be bold. Great afternoon.